Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Cathy Sheridan. Three retired nuclear scientists, a crumbling cottage by the sea, the fallout from life, love and nuclear power stations. That's the premise of The Children, a new play directed by Una Murphy at the Gay Theatre. It has been described as a taut tale of human and atomic meltdown, as well as brightly disarming and deeply unsettling. And I can tell you it is all of those things. I've just been to see it and it packs a punch. It's also very funny. There is dancing in it. But by gum, by the end, you have taken on several messages, I can tell you. It's a play about ageing, marriage and sexual rivalry, starring Sean McGinley, Mary Mullen and Ger Ryan. In other words, three genuine legends of Irish theatre. And I am delighted to be joined now in studio today by Mary and Ger. You're both very welcome to the Women's Podcast. Cannot believe I have you both in the same little modest studio here. And I was at the play uh, last night and I am still reeling, quite honestly, from it. It's it's playful. It's I don't want to put people off by because it's 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 obviously the subject matter is enormously serious, but it is playful and it's funny and there's a dance in it that if we had audio here, I would insist the two of you <laughs> perform for us. Um, it is it is simply amazing and deserve the five star review it got in the Irish Times for sure. Now, Mary, initially it looks like the other woman Rose has come in has come back to rekindle an old flame. And that the simple wife, yourself, Hazel, is just clueless and yes. talks a lot and none of it is going anywhere rapidly. And we discover very quickly that is such a superficial and probably a reflection of our lazy take on so many things now that we assume this is just a story about a romance that is just cack-handed. Yes. Um, well, yes, it's, that's, that's, I suppose that is one way of looking at it. But you, you're told very early on that they're scientists and that something has happened and they were together, they were together as friends like 30 years ago. So it's, it's, in, in one sense, um, it's, it, the, the, inf- the information you're given is, is sort of, um, evolves as you do, as the audience does with the characters. We all find out the information at the same time. So that kind of brings us along with the story. And yeah, we do, we find out that there was a, a connection between the, the, the husband and the, the, the friend years ago. But um, the, this Hazel has had a life with with the with the man, and have had they've had four children um, since all that has happened. So we're we're all wondering what's what's happening, why why this scientist has come back into their lives, um, who was a friend, who they were both friends in, the, in, in working in the nuclear plant um, 30 years ago and and we're we're just all kind of geared up to say what what's the reason is she come back to get him has she come back yes. to take him away and has she come back for some other reason or what is her life 
been like as well and what has Hazel's life, what has my character's life been like? So we're kind of intrigued by the way Lucy uh, Kirkwood writes these characters and tells us about their lives, you know. She's amazing. She's very, yeah. she's very young. Yeah. She's very young to be so yes. mature. Yes. Very, yeah. <coughs> um, Jared, tell us a bit about, about <coughs> your role. You're, you're, you're pretty glamorous in it. <laughs> you have great hair, uh, of which people will learn more if they go to the play. Um, and uh, you're there and you've been quite sassy. Uh, you look as though you're just there to, to, to sort of get back Sean McGinley, with whom you obviously had some kind of a liaison more recently than, than Hazel suspects, perhaps. Um, and yet you're there for a very, very serious purpose. Building up to that, I think, is extraordinary because it sounds as though it's all going nowhere for a while. But you're having to keep this play going in the early stages, uh, while keeping people sitting on their seats and thinking, "What? where is this going? What's happening here? There's more to this than... That's all in the writing. All in the writing. In that <clears throat> she, when I first read the play, it, it seemed to be about one thing. And then, which is quite rare to get a play that is like a page turner, you know, and you go, oh, and then it turns into something else and then it turns into something else and asks really big questions. Um, so my character, yes, as Marie said, she kind of turns up after she hasn't seen Hazel in about, they say, 30, 38 years, years yeah. or maybe. 38 years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really don't want to go in too much no. about, about the story because otherwise I'll give loads away. But... Um, there's a lot that she has lived a completely different life. She left, went to America. She teaches in America. So she's come back for a very specific reason. Um, and um, which we, we don't, don't hear, which we don't, we don't learn find until out until, until kind of towards the end. But there are moments where these three friends, they rekindle through wine and dance. They rekindle kind of there's flashes of... What, you know, when they were young and, and, and had such a good yeah. time and were working really hard and were very in, interested in, I guess, um, science and all of that. Um, and then there's other, you know, moments where the rivalry, the old rivalry where, you know, Rose kind of is a mixture of resentment and jealousy and irritation at the other characters. So it's just moments. It, 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 in the in the dialogue that seemingly is going nowhere at the beginning, it's kind of just like a microcosm of a, a larger um, friendship, mm. you know. Yes, leading somewhere very important, you learn. Yeah. And, Mary, one of the things that struck me was really... It, it's actually about the, 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 um, the uh, generation... The, the baby boomers growing up. Yeah. They're almost growing up before our eyes. Yes. Yes, I suppose it is really. I mean, they've, they've, uh, I think, I think, well, I don't know about the baby boomers, but um, the, the thing that strikes me about the children are the, um, the young people who are now managing the nuclear factory where this disaster has happened. And these are people who are young people who have young children and young marriages and a chance of life, and they are putting their lives in danger. And we talk about that in the play, and we, um, you know, it, it, it is very important for us to talk about it because uh, of what um, the the we'll say the 
the denouement of the play is. Well, I won't say what it is now, but no. those people who are suffering like that because of the disaster are important in all of these characters' uh, lives and important to them, to their own lives themselves, you know. But I think the four children that they... We get a sense of... Uh, uh, well, we get a sense of their their children being very independent, except maybe for one, the eldest girl, who has who has problems as, with rage and... Um, uh, feeling unsettled in her world, um, which I think is a kind of a familiar thing these days. But they say that um, um, young people have, a, because of social media, because of everything that's available to them, that that it's very hard to sort of get get a grounding and get a sense of themselves. And, and what their place is in the world these days. And it's it's very sad, really. I have to say, Ger, I felt myself defending my generation a little bit. I mean, you with the, yeah, with the three of I us are the same, same generation. Yeah. And remembering, get to the point, the current sore point demonstrations against, yeah. against mm-hmm. nuclear yeah, power. Absolutely. Um, when the, the protests were magnificent. I mean, it set the ground for the, for the environmental movement absolutely. in this country. I just want to remind listeners of this. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, you yeah. were involved in that. Jared well, the, no, I just remember it. I remember yeah. it um, quite well, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, no, there's so many things that we have done as a generation that it is amazing. We're still wanting, though. I mean, we still vote in the same people who make the same decisions based on profit over people. And that's why we have, you know... A huge homeless crisis at the moment. It's why we have, you know, a, a huge addiction crisis at the moment. It's, it's, you know, I could list a whole load of things that these are things that are pushed down the road because we're still voting the same people in. We're still, because they're enthralled to big corporations. If huge corporations paid a tiny bit, a tiny little bit of tax, yeah. we could solve all the problems. Yes. And I don't understand why they don't. Um, I have no idea. There's no ethical reason why they why they shouldn't pay just a little bit of extra tax and that little bit of extra tax could go into things like environmental issues, cleaning up our rivers, cleaning up our seas, cleaning up everything, you know. Well, let's talk about about theatre, the arts, and 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 social activism, Mary. Um, you know, we've we, you, you've had your own waking the feminist drive in the past years, yeah. uh, which actually was the was the the, the forerunner. Jerry, see, you're smiling at me, so I'll turn, <laughs> I'll turn to you. And I also do remember you were. The, I, I I remember thinking that Grace Dias's um, uh, revelations were really going to kick off when I saw you tweeting yeah. support for it. You were one of the very early ones to jump in. Um, is that, were, were you, you were obviously feeling at that stage or you were already felt like a primed explosive at that stage, if you like? I think, I think it was very, it was just Waking the Feminists, Leon Bell, fantastic. Um, just put out after... For the 1916, um, remembering the rising, when the Abbey put out, the National Theatre of Ireland put out this programme. And I think at a time, she just had enough and it was like, oh, come on. And it was the reaction by the Abbey to that, to um, to that, that really got up people's noses. And within a week, the Abbey had, you know, like, I don't know how many thousands would have turned up at the Abbey, this first meeting of Waking the Feminists, but it was like, we've had enough. There were so many things 
wrong with the gender imbalance in everything and um, that I think people in all stratas of the arts just were going finally. Um, and um, I think what happened with Grace Dias was just, we've all had our stories. Everybody had stories. I, you know, not everybody is going to come forward with their stories, but this has been going on for a long time. And people were just finally delighted that somebody had lanced that boil. How did that feel at the time, Gerard? Was it, did it feel like a like a some kind of eureka moment? No, not really. And no, what, not what really. Like, well, to me, it just feels like finally women are banding together and going. You know what? This has been the reality. It's a you know, it's not necessarily. It ranges from annoying <laughs> to outrageous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And all that's in between. And it was in in the past, it was just individual women coming forward and men, too, but coming forward and saying, this is my experience. And they're easily shut up when you're on your own. You're, you know, you're easily uh, shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a worldwide movement, um, that's when you change things. You know what I mean? There has been an imbalance in the world for a very long time. And the female voice really hasn't been listened to mm-hmm. in terms of politics, in terms of childcare, in terms of whatever. So it's good. I just see it as a a smaller indication of a larger picture. Mary, you co-founded your own theatre company. Yes, yes. um, As it happens with with a woman, Gary Hines. Indeed, yes. Uh, Was that partly driven by the need for women's voices in theatre? No, not particularly at the time, but I think what's happened in the last couple of years is is, is, it's attracted people's attention. Like We do need to nurture female writers. We do need to nurture people to write for the theatre. We need to encourage people. We need to make it easy for them to uh, do their work, you know, because it's it's, there are female writers out there. There are female performers out there. There are people, but they need it. Need they need to be in an environment where they can be nurtured and where they can be helped. And I think that that's probably what the movement has done. And it is it, not going to happen immediately. But I bet in the next five or six years, you're going to see women writers, women performers emerge and and take their place the way you know where where they should, and and that that people will be able to speak for women and women's issues and that sort of thing. And I think that's what it's done. It's sort of say. Well, let's even the platform. Let's let this happen because there's so much talent out there, you know, that needs to get 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 his head above water. Yeah. Do you do you Isn't feel it happening way? already? I do, I do, I do feel it happening already. But it just takes time. Just we can just be patient. It's very hard to write things. Yeah. I believe I'm yeah. not a writer myself, but it it, it takes a long time, yeah. and and especially when you're starting off. You know, to get the courage and to do that. Like men, men, you know, they've had lots of help along the way. And, you know, we've fantastic men writers and they write great things for women, too. And but but it's time to nurture our, our women writers and uh, to be proud of them. What I loved about the, the, the children, the player currently in was was the knowledge, just that background knowledge that the director is female, the writer is female. Yes. Two of the three cast are female. Um, a huge part of the creatives in the, in, in, in the gate are female. Yes. Um, and the one actor in the play stands up for females all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't he's that... Great, a, he's a great, um, um, you know, 
supporter of the female rights and all that sort of thing. This might be a good time to point out that Mary <laughs> is married to the one male actor in the play. Yeah. What was that like, Mary? It was great, actually. We haven't worked together for years, but it was, he's very supportive, you know. And, well, it was just like, going back into the, the way it was when we were worked in Druid, it was just like we were just individuals working on a script. And, I mean, I suppose that's the thing about the theatre. You have your character, and, and I have my character, and, and, and we have to bring them to life. And, you know, his, his is a male character, mine's a female character, and they have an interaction and that's the work we do. And, and so it was just like two individuals, um, but it, as well as, uh, you know, being connected to each other and like in, in the sense of having a marriage and two children for all those years. But it was lovely being back on stage with him and he's, he's lovely. Yes. He's, he's really quiet and yeah. generous and he's, you know, very laid back and very supportive of both of us. The author, as we are of him. Yeah. The awful thing is that people have always assumed that Sean McGinley was a dub because of his Charlo oh, yes, character. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. And I only learned recently that, in fact, he is pure country. He's Donegal. Yes, You have true. to remember he's Donegal because Donegal will kill you if I'm you don't say that. I'm sorry, Sean McGinley, and I'm sorry, Donegal. Um, but isn't it, it's, it, this is what acting, this is this, this the majesty of acting, how it Indeed. can transport you. And you also, Jer, in, 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 in those oh, roles that you've yeah. played, um, that you are, on the one hand, I think that 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 this is your job, and that's what that you come into it because you're good at it. But it's that sheer ability to 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 to, um, to get people into this other world and make them believe. Are you conscious that you're doing that all the time? No, um, it's the reason you do. Like theatre is very different from television. You know, in that the audience is that little magical extra element. So until it's from front of an audience, you, that little extra magic doesn't happen, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, with television, it's a very, very different thing. I read an, an article that is, a scientist has done this study on actors' brains, and I just read it about three days ago, that in order to inhabit a role, it's never been done before, they put electrodes on different actors' heads in order to and got them to read various different things and talk about various different things and then to you know, uh, play a part. And when they're playing a part, apparently the actor switches off a part of their brain that doesn't switch off when they're just talking about something or reading something. Mm -hmm. But when they're playing a role, um, they switch off a part of their brain. What part is it, do you know? I have no idea. (laughs) I read it and I went, oh, that's really interesting. And of course, forgot all about it. I don't know if we do, though. I I can't afford to switch off any part of my brain. No, it's it's just something, some part (laughs) of the brain, so it's like like becoming some, you know, you just... You become something else. Yes. So that it's like... It must be something of the self that you switch off. It must be something... Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes uh, there's a very definite, like, I remember saying a long time ago, and it was... uh, years ago and they were what I would call the beige blobs in the corner when um, it was television parts mainly, little parts you know and you'd be the mother and when you'd see the word mother you'd kind of go oh no, she's just going to hand out cups of tea and not be involved in any of the drama whatsoever, you know and um, so I used to say well yeah, it's like you have to give yourself a lobotomy to play those parts because you can't put too much into them Yeah, you have to simplify everything and you have to forget that you're a fully functioning, thinking, I know what you mean. human yeah, being, yeah, yeah. you know, um, with an interesting kind of take on life and play, yes. <laughs> you know, somebody who just hands out gobsity and cries for no reason. So, yeah, so that, yeah, there is, there are parts of your brain that you switch off. Yeah, there are, I know, I understand. You that is I mean? true. Yeah, that is true. You do that. And then other parts, yeah. like if it's a really emotional thing, you know, you have to really care about your work, though. 
Yes. You know, and sometimes... Do you I, have to care about the... Do you have to care about the subject of the play? Well, you, you have to care about the character, I yeah. think. And I really think it's, it's our job for to the deliver it as, yeah. as best we can yeah. with yeah. whatever we've got. We have to do just, try and do justice to her script yeah, as she exactly. wrote it because we were committed to that as, as best we can. Green and Black's Velvet Edition range introduces a variety of signature flavours in a smooth, velvety finish made with the finest ingredients and ethically sourced cocoa. Choose Green and Black's chocolate and escape the ordinary. Yeah, I, I've seen you, Jar, talk about people uh, with with, um, <laughs> with some some a note of criticism in your voice about oh. people who come across as as peace uh, peace ambassadors, but who then play roles in extremely violent films. Yes, with I no don't understand that. I, do, yes. I don't genuinely don't understand that. I understand the big bucks involved, but you know, people who kind of you know, put themselves out there, and but yet, you know, as uh, you know, visiting refugee camps, and but those refugees are caused by extreme violence, bombs and stuff, and yet they do play parts. Now, I have no problem if violence is used to portray something. It's not, you know what I mean, like uh, the effects of violence, or you know, but when it's just. Let's shoot everybody in sight and because it looks good or whatever. I, it's mindless. Mindless violence in films and television bothers me. So um, if you were offered a part and taken five or six or whatever it is, whatever the next Liam Neeson vehicle is. <laughs> Chances are. I don't know. I, that would put me in a quandary. If it could pay, buy me a house, that would be, I'd be thinking, ooh, how many people could I shoot? I don't know. But if, when you have the choice, when you're a big star and you have a choice, yeah. it's not like, like if you're just an ordinary actor, there's, your choices are not as big. And if something could change your life, fine, but admit it. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's a, it, it, admit it. I, most of us have done stuff. I've done stuff purely to pay the rent. Mm. You know, but it hasn't been offensive. Like it wouldn't be like, mm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. your choice sometimes is to say no. And even if that means you're broke, you're cho- you still have a choice. But if you're a big star with lots of money, you do have a choice. Mary, you've been sharing a home with a, with a, with a, with a, 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 a an actor husband um, and therefore both in very precarious careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that work out financially? Well, I, well, you know, you just get used to the thought that... Uh, how long is this uh, wage has has to last? So you know we're we're we're, all, we're, we're always thinking like we're always thinking. Uh, have we got any work coming up after this, or um, is is it just well? If it, if there's no work coming, then battling down the hatches and just watch every penny. Well, we always watch every penny anyway, but sometimes it can be harder than other times. Because if you don't, you know, if you have something coming up, you say, well, that'll take me to December and that'd be OK. I mean, pay the mortgage and pay the bills. And then after that, you just you just have to just um, try and budget, try and just try and manage. In a lot of ways, we've been very lucky mm-hmm. uh, when the girls were small and Sean was doing an awful lot of television and. Um, and it was great because I could stay at home and uh, be with them. We we sort of tried to make it happen that one of us was there all the time, and it more or less did happen uh, like that. But but it was consciously for us because if you would actually turn down a role if if Sean was working, would you? Well, I have done, yeah, but in the past, 
don't do it much anymore. Well, you don't need to do it anymore. Well, it's no. Well, we'll still we're all still looking for work. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you know, we it's never it's never a constant all the time. Joe, what's what has that been like? I mean, you've both had plenty of work, so I ask you this with some kind of confidence that you haven't actually starved at any point. Oh, but God, what, no. What I mean, you'd like? be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, um, there have been times, very definitely in my life, where I really didn't have enough money for food. And I'm not no different from any other actor or no. artist or musician or, you know, um, I'm no different. Do you know what I mean? It is a precarious business, it is. and uh, but you, you, you know, you, you know that when you yeah. go into it, like, and you, you, you do, and you it. you become like I. No, most it's not more. I think I we're being very realistic here, and I think it's important. It's like I would tell my children yeah. never yeah. to go into journalism, for example. Well, my my, I think actors are very realistic. They're very down to earth. Like they say, we're airy fairy and very frugal. But they live on very little. Yeah, they, they learn. We learn how to use yeah. use money. And, um, and and do our best with yeah, it all. And uh, so so yeah, it's it, you know what I mean. It's it's not uh, you know people think in this country. Oh, you were on the telly. You must be yes. loaded. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yet, Irish actors are the ones that are exploited the most in terms of their contracts. Like if in America or in other European countries, you get residuals. So you get paid for the work you do. But if then they sell it on and show it here and show it there, you get a little bit. So, you know, you might have a little stipend coming in. We don't get that in Ireland. It's like a buyout completely. So you just get paid for the work you do. And like they could show it on a loop 24 hours a day into so perpetuity. So family is screening all over the world. No, the BB, that was a BBC contract. That, was that a BBC. wasn't RTE. Okay. RTE right. came in at the very end of the shooting thing with um, family. Uh, that was a proper BBC production. So residuals are there. But residuals only happen when it first comes out and they sell it to different... I mean, family is, what, 20-something years? 1994? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. But unforgettable. You know, I'm always amazed. But, yeah, that was a long time ago. But that's the only thing in Ireland that I've ever, you know... And I think... uh, I I can't remember the last time I ever got a residual from it. It was years and years, decades ago, probably. So, um, yeah, everything else is a buyout. It's literally you just get paid for the work that you do on the day or the week, or the, and then the rest. So that has to change. That has to change because it's exploitation of image. Mm-hmm. And other, you know, it's the one way actors in other countries are able to continue because they have something coming in if they've done a body of work. And after 30-something years, you do have a body of work behind you. But if you're not getting paid for them to show it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a problem here with that. So, Mary, we're not, we're not cribbing here or moaning. No, no. But nonetheless, would you advise your children to go into the theatre? Um, I, I wouldn't advise them not to. Hmm. And if they, if if it's something that you really have to want it, you really have to want it. You have to, and you go in with your eyes open, and you really have to want to be a performer. I think so. And if they decided to go, I would support them one hundred percent. Do whatever I could, you know. Uh, but they'd have to, it'd have to be their decision one hundred percent to do it. Um, I couldn't. I wouldn't encourage them. Or, have, or have, discourage them. Have any of your children I gone into theatre? You know, no, no, neither of our girls um, so far <laughs> have, have gone into the theatre. But they they love theatre and film. 
music. They love, they go to the theatre all the time, both of them. Like, you know, not just things we're in or anything. I mean, just just theatre is part of their lives. Because have, have they gone for secure, pensionable jobs? Well, they're still very young because we started with, so they're still in college, really. Um, they're they're going finishing their careers, but they they're both they both got degrees and talking about MAs now and uh, and so when that's over, maybe I don't yeah. I don't know what they 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 don't know. Well, one of them is an archi- is a, doing architecture, so I think that's her calling. The other one is uh, uh, she's not sure yet mm. what way she's got a history degree, so she's not quite sure yet what way her path is going to go. Okay, before we wind up, can I just ask you something that actually fascinates me about actors? We're all the same age, basically, the three of us. I have the memory of a sieve, Jer. How there were a hundred minutes of theatre last night, which were absolutely—I I, I, can't—they were so intense, so many words spoken, no interval. How do you remember? With difficulty, <laughs> the older you get, just. Yes. Uh, it depends. Everyone, everything is different, you know, every play and every, so some are easier to remember than others. This was, I found this particularly difficult. So did I. And I think it was because have, oh, the interjections are on specific words mm. and, you know, and um, and this one was a particularly difficult one to learn for yeah. some reason. I, I haven't figured out why, but it was. Yes, and, it was um, for me too. Uh, so... Yeah, you just kind of for five weeks kind of slog, go to bed really, with this. Yeah, it's it really is hard work. It is. It is. It's a slog at the same time. You're, you're required to, to to do something unbelievably artistic in, in your interpretation, well, in how you sound, and your yeah. tone. That's part of the work, though. That's a lot a, of it is, you know, smoke and mirrors, but it is about slogging and, and sluggy, getting through. And it's and like then it's, oh. it has to sound like it's yeah. coming out of your head yeah. and your mouth. So it's, it's not like, you know, you, you don't just go day. in and be creative. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, 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 an, it's actually hard work. Really? And you have to trust yes. that there's a process that you, you, you in the background, working away, working away, working away. Do you know what I mean? But it, it does. You bring it home with you. You go to bed with it. You, the script just never leaves my hand. And even now I have Me to too. read the script before every show. Do you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Prepare. Yeah. Go through it every day. before. And the there show. are times when I'm standing there just before going on going, and I have to say, no, you know these lines. Fine. It's like just It'll this momentary, fine. you know. This is shocking. Yeah. This but is actually my worst nightmare. But everyone, has, it, yeah. everyone, I'm sure every actor yeah. is the same. And actually, you know, that famous actor's dream or performer's dream where you, you're you suddenly in the middle of the dream, you're suddenly backstage and you have no costume. You don't know where, why you're there. You don't know who you are. What, and they're pushing you out on stage. Go, 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 go. And you go, ah. You know, that's your classic actor's nightmare. nightmare do you, you know? do you ever throw up? No, as, is no. It's also meant to be a classic. No, no, no we don't. But, but but we do. Like the blood pressure does go up. Yeah. Before every show, I, do, I wonder we're not more of us are not dead. Yes, yeah. that adrenaline flooding <laughs> yeah. in, I presume, <laughs> and then receding. And then, then it goes back like every. It's like yes. a, it's like a wave. Yes. yes. <laughs> you just the blood pressure goes up and then it gets released because you once you get on stage, of, uh, it's like it. it's a it's a. <laughs> part of the whole thing is Mm. there are always nerves there will always be nerves and if you're not nervous then there's something not quite right but it's about calming those nerves and letting them you know centering your body so that your hands aren't shaking or the you know what I mean so that you're using the adrenaline of those nerves 
mm. to propel you as opposed yeah. to you're in charge of them. But every single night. Mm. Yeah. Can't be good for you. <clears throat> Can't be good for you. I went for a very stiff drink after the play did last you? night. A lot of people do, actually. After I these. did. I did. And, and I had my, my daughter with me who was in her 30s. And we had a very interesting generational conversation about whose fault all this is. <laughs> a little bit of a spat, to be honest with you. Um, but what do you do to decompress? How, how, what do you do when it's over? Um, I, I, I sort of, I don't know what I do. I don't do much. Just kind of, I like to get home. And me too. Do you? Bed. Do you just no, go home? We don't drink much. No. We're, go we're, home and uh, get the dart is, yeah. is decompressing enough. Yeah. And this is it. Uh, uh, and sort of yeah. read a book, get into jammies mm. and a warm bed. And, and the great thing about there being no interval yeah. is that you're home pretty early, I yes. presume. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I only would only go to the bar if I knew somebody, somebody was, was there. in. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, there's some people don't text me, so I don't actually go into no. the bar and I don't know they're there. But if friends are in... I'll always pop in. Well, it's nice to but, go and yeah. say uh, thank you. And, yeah. Um, and but we do that. So other than that, it's like out we, the door. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's home. But it's nice to go home. Yeah, it after is. the show a couple of nights anyway. Well, OK. Home. I think everybody listening to this of whatever generation <clears throat> should go along to the children. You may have a little spat afterwards about the responsibility of different generations for what's going on and what's to come. Uh, but Ger Ryan and Mary Mullen, I am beyond privileged to have you at the oh, Women's oh, Podcast. Thank you, so Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking. And that's it for today. Thanks to Mary Mullen and Ger Ryan for speaking to me today. And if you want to see them in action in The Children, and I heartily recommend you do, you can get tickets from www.gatetheatre.ie. Remember, we are on all good podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe and write a review while you're at it. If you want to get in touch with us directly, we are on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle and Jennifer Ryan. With JJ Vernon on sound, I'm Cathy Sheridan. And until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.